there's this lady that was um that had a big ted talk um i forgot her name was um cruz at the end but um they're like yeah she travels with her children all the time her kids are homeschooled just because they can't stay at one school all the time they they're always traveling she's she's making millions her kids have everything so that's how they got to me they were like oh you know your kids could have beyond what you've ever thought you could give them this is Maddie from a recent interview with the slave circle she was an 18 year old wife and mother of two applying for job ads when she was recruited by a mysterious marketing company called Omni 8 USA in San Antonio, Texas. Soon, she found herself standing on random street corners, soliciting every passing stranger for donations to a charity called Plan International, or Plan USA. It was all about saving the kids. So I'd put in all the hours. I'd be there from seven o'clock in the morning to maybe nine o'clock at night every single day, consecutively every day. Except Sundays, but there was times where they were like, "Hey, do you want to hit the field on Sunday?" I'd be like, "Yeah, sure." You know, like let me train this person some more so that I can move up. But moving up in the business meant moving away from her family, both metaphorically and literally. She told her boss she had to cut back to part-time hours. And he told me he goes, "Why?" And I told him I said, "Well, my husband's not willing to keep taking care of the kids all the time because he also works full time." So I think I need to be home a lot more. And he was like, we'll get rid of him. And so what did this impressionable teenage mom do when a hotshot CEO told her the only way to succeed was to leave her family? And so I ended up leaving, got my own apartment, everything. Um, I ended up getting divorce papers, you know, um, served to me at the office one morning in front of all of the interviewees, in front of everybody. And Colm's response was, well, what can you do about it from here? You need to safeguard that shit. To safeguard that shit means to ignore whatever normal human emotions you may be experiencing and to keep a positive attitude because a positive attitude is the only way to succeed in the business. That wasn't something that as a parent you can really safeguard. I can't be selling these people like, hey, save this kid while I'm losing mine in my personal life. You get what I'm saying? Sure. And Colm never understood it that way. He didn't have kids. He didn't have a partner or anything. He was just more of like, oh, okay, well, take the day off. Over the last year and a half, I'd heard a lot of really shitty stories about lives that were ruined by the business. But thankfully, Maddie was able to pry herself free from the clutches of the Devil Corp cult. And how'd she do it? An intervention? Kidnapping and a forced deprogramming? It was satirical memes. I want to finish up on, on kind of a, a somewhat lighter note here. So you you uh, follow a page on Instagram called Juicy Rhino, correct? Yeah. Now, if if anyone watching these videos is not checking out Juicy Rhino, uh, please do. Uh, it is a fantastic place for uh, for just a laugh at, at this cult's expense. Uh, the person who runs that Instagram page, I've actually conversed with them a few times. In case it isn't obvious by now, I'm the person who runs that page. And he's right. It's fantastic. <laughs> One night I was in my apartment and um, I was there with two other, because I roommate, whenever I split up with my husband, I was a roommate with one of the other guys that worked in the office. And I was just there and I was like, hey, 
are you getting kicked off all the group chats as well? Like, are they making new ones? What's going on? She was like, no, I'm still on them. And literally I was kicked off of like six different group chats because we had, you know, uh, Omni 8, we had the charity squad. We had all these different, you know, group chats. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I messaged Colm and I was like, hey, why am I getting kicked off the group chats? And he just sent me a screenshot and he goes, I told you not to follow this page. Back in April 2019, I made an Instagram account called Juicy Rhino so I could follow some of these businesses and observe their life cycles. And for a laugh, I started posting some satirical, demotivational memes to make fun of all the corny bullshit that they posted on their pages. So I followed them so later on I could come back and check out the memes, which they're hilarious. She's right. They're really hilarious. (laughs) He never said, don't follow them. You'll get fired if you follow them. None of that. So that's how I ended up leaving the company because it came down to a stupid, you know, Instagram follow that made them come at me, you know? Yeah. Just think about how ridiculous that sounds. Anyone who's watching this video. Yeah, I was watching that video and it seemed beyond ridiculous. It seemed fucking insane. That stupid dildo owner of hers was so mad at her for liking my admittedly hilarious memes that he fired her from the very same job that only a few days ago he convinced her to leave her family for. But that's another very common uh, tactic, technique of cults, is to tell uh, their subjects to not look at certain pieces of information, whether it's these videos, whether it's the Juicy Rhino Instagram page, or whatever it is. All chuckles aside, Juicy Rhino really was an invaluable research tool for this project both from the happy public posts I saw on my feed and the sad and lonely DMs I'd get at night. I heard from people who had left the business years ago and were still bitter about it, and people who were trapped inside it now. I got hilarious behind-the-scenes pictures of broke-ass owners buying 12 packs of Mountain Dew for their depressing team nights, and I heard from people whose friends and family members had been recruited and were desperately trying to get them out. I even got secret recordings of owners teaching their reps how to lie to customers and trick them into signing up for services. Of all the messages I got, only a handful of them ever attempted to defend the business. They'd call me a pussy or a loser failure who never made it to owner. But then a few months later, like clockwork, they'd leave the business too. I know you want to hear some of those juicy ass stories, so here's a little sampling. My owner was a charismatic guy, but... Deep down, he was a, a narcissistic sociopath. Uh, at times, he would like verbally abuse me, he would gaslight me, and at the time, I came out of college, so I was still relatively naive to the whole job field. So I just took it as like, oh, like, yeah. It didn't click in my head until after that week of training that we are those people that stand in the stores of Sam's, Walmart, Costco, selling the cable. Like, these are the people that I run away from in the stores. And now I'm one of those people. Like, I was, I felt like I was manipulated. Like, seriously manipulated. We argued for a whole day about whether he was an actual CEO or if his business was legitimate. He still messages me sometimes, but I've given up on responding. He just recites the typical, we're not a pyramid scheme, you're a clown loser who can make it in the business nonsense. These people have been trained to talk in circles, to talk for hours without actually saying anything. I remember our owner had us go in the store and sell a bunch of broken knives one day. 
you know, I still had rent to pay and I had a car that I needed to pay for and I needed gas and food. And so I had to do what I had to do to, you know, ring the bell and set the pace. Convincing people to change their energy suppliers to a company that we were supposed to change into polos and represent as if we were actually that company and ask people for their bills and sign them up, of which in reality, they would have a lower rate for probably a month and then they're locked in for two years and it would skyrocket and there's nothing that they could do about it. This place had no central heating, um, and the electrics were constantly coming on and off, kept fusing, um, rats everywhere, it was disgusting. And I just was sick to my teeth saying, is this the place they've chosen? However, unfortunately, they were only getting an agreement of a contract there. Um, so I couldn't just choose to leave. Um, we'd have to drive about nine hours through the snow to go knock on doors in the middle of nowhere and she would get us a a hotel that was reserved for two people so two beds and then she would coach everybody on how to sneak into the hotel the ceo also convinced us that um being a lawyer or a dentist or a doctor or an engineer um was nothing close to the success of being like an odor? Well, first of all, he drove a 2002 Honda Civic in 2014. He would park on the other side of the office away from everybody. But in reality, he was still going door to door. He would change into these star energy polos and kind of sneak back into the office. Somehow, and I don't know how, don't ask me how, he was inputting people's social security numbers fraudulently to bypass the credit checks to uh, complete the installation and the, the point of sale. Um, so this is why he was making so much money, we later found out. A bit of a sad story. Um, you know how in the business you shouldn't be a negative person, you should always be positive, always be up morale and everything? Well, the sad story is the guy who knocked on my door and recruited me into the business, uh, him and his wife were expecting a baby, and unfortunately he gave a stillborn uh, baby, so the wife had to give birth to a dead baby, which was really, really sad. And I felt really sad for this person. However, you know, it's going to affect any, anyone in a negative manner. He was, you know, quite upset, quite worked upon the situation. However, the owner couldn't see it from that side and saw it that he was a negative person. The nickname in the UK, they give Negheads. So he was a Neghead and they decided to cut him out of the business and, and sack him. Um, you know, this was really fortunate. I caught with this guy after, you know, it really broke him down, tore him apart. Over at Juicy Rhino, I get stories like these every day and I treasure each and every one of them. But my favorite message came from the CEO of a company in South Dakota called Pioneer Marketing Concepts. Does that name ring a bell? It should. Because that's where all this research began. My name's uh, Christian Vaughn. I'm actually a marketing director in South Dakota. Uh, before this industry, I was cooking you know, for as long as I can remember, and I had no room for growth. And I had a marketing degree from my college, and I was always looking for a new opportunity as an entrepreneur. So, remember back about a year and a half ago, when my wife asked me to look into this weird company called Equip Marketing Solutions that had taken over her office share, the only clue I had to start with was the one video posted on their website. It was an interview with a dude who used to be a cook, but was now the CEO of 
some kind of marketing firm. Luckily, after graduation, I did find this job. And within my second interview, I saw the opportunity for what it was. I realized this is the place that I could be to gain my own business in a matter of six to eight months. And then eight months later, I did it. Yep, it was the same guy. And that was only the start of the coincidences. In the sanctuary of the Juicy Rhino inbox, he confided that he'd felt stuck in the business for a while and he wanted to get out. He missed his friends and he missed his family. And he missed being back home. When I asked where his home was, he said Chattanooga, Tennessee. In case you forgot, that's my home too. That's where all of this has been happening for the last year and a half. And after all my failed attempts to talk to an owner here in Chattanooga, one just fell right into my lap all the way from South Dakota. And you want to know an even bigger, crazier coincidence? The friend and roommate that he had left to join the business? Was my fucking weed dealer. Yep. Turns out that just like a lit joint, Chase had been right under my nose the whole time. Looking back, it's pretty crazy how effective the business is at remaking someone in its image. One day Chase is a fellow weed-smoking Chattanoogan who likes to hike and go to concerts. And a year later, he's a marketing executive in South Dakota who's living with his employee girlfriend. And it all started with one spam job ad. So I was like, okay, cool. So I was like, this is going to be my first big interview, my first actual out-of-college interview at a real marketing company is what I thought. So I was like, I got my suit out, the one suit that I had, the only thing I had that made me look professional, of course, made sure I try to shave up and look good. But at that time, you know, I had still super long hair, really shaggy mustache, didn't look professional at all. From the moment he showed up, he got a really creepy vibe. The place looked like an old doctor's office, and it was empty, and it was dark. I go in there, the hallway's got a light on, but the door that I'm supposed to be in is shut. There's no lights behind it. I don't hear any noise. So I knock, nothing. Kind of walk the hallway for like five minutes. Finally just go, okay, I'm going to try to go in this room. And it was unlocked. And I see just a waiting room basically with some magazines and chairs. And I was like, okay. So he did what anybody would do in this situation. He sat down. He grabbed a magazine. And he started reading. Five minutes went by. Then ten. Then fifteen minutes passed. And I literally was just about to stand up and walk out. I was like, this is stupid. I was like, my first interview, nobody's even here. I don't know if I'm in the right spot. I thought it was my fault, of course. So I get up, and bam, that's when the guy walks in the room. He's like, oh, hey, you're here for an interview? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, I'm the president of the company. So I'm like, oh, snap. Ooh, uh-oh. I was like, oh, hi. Uh, yeah, and he's like, I'll be with you in a few minutes. I was like, okay. So I sit back down. I get 30 seconds pass, and he's like, come on into my office. Go into this tiny little room guy basically sells me from there um he didn't say much just like they again i learned later in the training process you don't say anything about what you're actually selling what you're offering in this business or who you work for you just try to sound as i'd say cocky as possible act like you're you're the man you're the shit and then from there name drop a couple really large names uh, for like clients that you work with right so he's like, oh, we work with DirecTV and AT&T and Costco and Sam's Club. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, those are some you know, pretty big names. Interesting. He's like, you know what? I like you. I'm going to go ahead and offer you a second interview. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. And he goes, can you meet me at Sam's Club at 1 o'clock today? And I was like, uh, where? He's like, yes, yeah, Sam's Club. Despite all the initial shadiness, Chase was really pumped that the president of the company liked him. 
So he went home and he bragged to his roommate, my weed dealer, about his upcoming second round interview, even though he didn't really know what the job was. He basically just walks me to the electronics department, puts down a table with direct TV stuff on it, and goes, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to walk up and talk to people for a few minutes, and you're going to just listen and just watch me for a few minutes. He goes, you're not working. You're not working. You're, you're <laughs> just here for the interview, and you're going to watch me, all right? And I was like, oh, okay. So <laughs> we, he goes to start and walks up to a random customer, this random lady with her cart, pitches her, just does the sweet talk. And somehow manages to pull around to this little table he's got. Does that like weird presentation thing for the next five minutes. I'm just like, I don't know what's going on really. Still like half paying attention, just kind of like looking around the store. And then gets on the phone all of a sudden. I was like, okay. Another like, you know, 10 minutes go by. He's talking on the phone with this lady, fills out a piece of paper, and then she walks off and he goes, So, I just made $300. At this point, Chase was a cook, and 300 bucks was closer to what he made in a week. And this bumbling schmuck in a Sam's Club somehow just pocketed 300 bucks in 10 minutes. Do you think you could walk up to people and make $300 that easily? I was like, okay, what's the catch here? I was like, that sounds way too good to be true. He goes, let me break it down. He does the spiel, right? He told Chase that he could be making a thousand bucks a week. In only six to eight months, he could be managing his own office. Basically, the four phases of ownership. Oh my god, like this is awesome. I was like, no way, too good to be true. I always knew I could be manager. <laughs> you know, like thinking I could do this. So the money is what really enticed me. So I left Sam's Club still super sketched out, but just couldn't get that thousand dollars out of my head. The next day he called Chase and he told him he needed to conduct a third round interview, but he didn't really want to have to wait until the next day to do it. And he goes, We're gonna do a third round interview right now. I think you're the right fit for the job. You're hired. Can you start Monday? <laughs> I was like, I mean, yeah. And so without knowing any details about the job he'd be working, or the company he'd be working for, Chase had been successfully recruited. I, I learned on my first day, I'm the only employee. That's <laughs> the first <laughs> sucker hired by this guy. Thinking, this is some big marketing company. And he's like, yeah, we have morning meetings. He's telling me about how he does things. And then my first day was in a room with him by myself. He's teaching me DirecTV. And I ask, well, where's everybody else? And he goes, oh, this is my new office. I just left this other city and flip the market so-and-so, and I'm here now. So he goes, so I had a big company, and we're building again. I was like, oh, okay, interesting, real sketchy, but okay. Despite all those red flags and all the shadiness, Chase still had to find out if that money was real. I told myself, I don't make $1,000 a week, I'm not doing it. So within my first week, of course, they feed you sales. So I knew that I'd make a big paycheck. My first paycheck was like around $700 in a week. Didn't take, but like I think my third or fourth paycheck to have that massive, like it was like eleven hundred or twelve hundred before taxes, uh, after taxes, like right at that nine hundred or thousand mark. So the moment I got my first thousand, I said, okay, this is real, and I started really again digging into my head and my mindset of, well, if that's real, what else is real? Could this potential opportunity to have my own business in six to eight months be real? Because if that's the case what's up? I am, I am all in. And I pretty much told myself from that moment, I was like, I'm going to do this. As the strange and mysterious new business began to consume Chase's life, his mom saw some red flags too. Yeah. My mom was skeptical at first because she couldn't find any research on the company that I was working for. And she, you know, I was like, yeah, it's like a big company and all this stuff. And she's like, honey, it sounds like a pyramid scheme. And of course they tell you it's not a pyramid scheme from that interview. And from there, they just 
just hammered in your brain that you can't think that way. That's not what this is. It's not even really a multi-level marketing. And of course, you find out later it is. By the way, I'm just going to jump in here and say, if you ever find yourself in a job interview and your employer has to make a detailed presentation about why your new job isn't a pyramid scheme, your new job is a pyramid scheme. But Chase's paycheck didn't lie. But I mean, literally when I, I sent her a picture of my first thousand dollar paycheck and she goes, holy cow. Maybe this is you. Maybe you should do this a little bit longer. And I said, "Yeah, no, I think I'm going to keep doing it a little bit longer, at least to see how it pans out." I was like, "I can't believe I'm making this much money." Uh, but my mistake later was showing my mom this paychecks <laughs> because when I had my first uh, two thousand dollar paycheck in a week, it was like twenty two or twenty four hundred dollars for one week. Of course, sent it to her and said, "Check this one out," and she literally goes, "Okay, you're cut off." <laughs> she like stopped giving me money for a lot of stuff, like just like free money all the time. I was like, ah, crap, that was dumb. Because at that point, I was making more than her a week, and she was blown away. She was a little mad. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll stop showing her those. Maybe you could have recruited her for your team. Yeah, like, I'll show you how to make all this money. Too. I'm sure I could have. She sold some stuff called Zango back in the early 2000s, some special drink, and I'm sure she would have fallen victim to that too. Despite any of the red flags or the sketchy shit he'd seen in the beginning. When it came to the opportunity, Chase was now 100% all in with everything he had. But my boss straight tricked me uh, in a good way when I first started. Since I was the only one, I didn't know what normal was. I didn't know what an average was yet of a sale and you know, what's the normal across the country. So he told me, he goes, yeah, I mean, one a day, like whatever you're learning. If you hit two, you're all right. And if you hit three, okay, now you're good. You need to hit three a day if you want to be considered good. And in my mind, I was like, okay, well, that's the expectation. And I set myself to that expectation, only to find out that even one a day was a $1,000 paycheck if they installed. So the moment I'm hitting three a day and I hit my first week of like, I got three, two, three, two, three, or something like that, I'm the top rep in the country, right? I'm in the top five. And that's when I realized, oh, I'm actually pretty good at this. I was uh, in the top 10 of the country every single week on these calls that we called out because of my paychecks and my team that I had as well. We're all making huge paychecks, thousand plus as well. And then weeks and weeks and weeks of that happening, yeah, it boosts your ego. And you're like, okay, I'm really good at this. I didn't think I could sell stuff that well. And all of a sudden now I'm in the top 10 in the country legit every week and every once in a while in that top five. Chase quickly began to take over every function in the office partly because he wanted to show he could master it, and also because he felt that he could do a better job than his bumbling owner. Every single day, I had a goal and a vision. I mean, I was extremely motivated. The word driven doesn't even cut it. I mean, I did all the recruiting. I did everything to build my team. I was fully into this idea of the business and getting there. So I pushed myself, and I legit did it in eight months. So on my ninth month in the industry, in the business, I actually had already been moved to South Dakota, and I launched my company. Ed, did you have any say in where you went? A little bit, yeah, actually. They have a list of open markets, and at the time, they're like, oh, these are just becoming open, or check out this new territory we acquired, when later we find out it was a failed business. That's what you're taking over. Uh, We didn't know that, so we just thought it was a new territory that had been acquired, because we had just acquired the Walmart contract, so it was pretty believable that a new city was opening up. So finally, I had picked, I don't even remember what it was, what I picked, but I gave them the three top options that I wanted, and they were like, yeah, no, so those are taken already. Here's here's a new list. How about you pick from these? And it was only five. 
I was like, oh, okay. So they selected them for me. And I looked through the five and, you know, none of them seemed that great. The only big one was Fargo and I was not going to North Dakota. Uh, too cold, too far north, no way. The rest of them were even smaller. One of them was Sioux City, Iowa. And I did research on that. I was like, again, way too small for me, no way. Chase's mom helped him to research the options, and she learned that Sioux Falls, South Dakota's population had grown 22% in the last four years, and that definitely boded well for recruitment. I was like, well, that's kind of the major market in my mind, so I picked Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, you know, one thing I've heard from a lot of people is they, when they're going through the field, they make them think they're going to pick wherever they want to go, and they're, or they'll get some great city, and then right up until they're going to move... They make them think that, and then at the last minute, they're like, oh, here's where you're going. Do you think that that is like an intentional thing to keep? Because if they, kind of like at every step of this, if they tell you the whole truth, you'll be like, well, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I think now I think it was definitely intentional. Um, At the time, I thought, no, maybe it just got taken. Maybe a better guy than me was given the market, which is, again, fair if there's some guy doing twice as good as me. Okay, so we talked about when you got hired and kind of the red flags you saw, but you were like, whatever, I'm going to go for this and see if it's real. So, like, you work your way through the system over eight months, and you're about to make the switch to ownership. Was there anything when you start to make that change to ownership where it's like, oh, these are red flags too. Like, this doesn't seem right. Was there anything in that process I'm that stood sh- out? I'm sure there was, but the excitement was more than anything. You're just excited to do it. Everybody's pumping you up. I mean, the national consultant or regional consultant, more like not the national, would be calling you uh, like at least once or twice a week, hyping you up about it. Your owner's obviously only talking about it every day in the office. That's the number one thing they're promoting because that's what they want to promote for everybody else to see and say, look, he's doing it. He's made it. He's making more money. He's going from 175 per install to 300 per install as an owner, plus making the money off his employees. Congratulations. All you're thinking about is the money you're about to make supposedly and and the fact that you're gonna be the man now and you've made it already and all those things chase had proven that he was an excellent salesman and those skills he developed selling the products to customers were about to be put to the test selling the business to new recruits but don't take my word for it trust maybe People that would open up offices and it would end up not working out just because they weren't a good enough cult leader. It wasn't really about being a, you know, a manager or any of that. It was how are you going to brainwash these people to do what you want? All right. Got to thank a lot of people. Mady for letting me use her interview. Alex at the Slave Circle for doing all those awesome interviews. Thanks to Chase and everybody who reached out to me over Juicy Rhino to start telling me some of these crazy fucking stories. Um, Tommy Santa Claus for all the cult music. Malele Roots for the stoner music. Giant for some of the other tense, tense music. On the next and the final episode of the Juicy Rhino podcast, I finally get some answers. <laughs>